Hello friends, this is Andy Liggett here. Um, so today we're going to start talking about um, Jonah. So we're in Jonah chapter 1. Um, I think I should mention that I particularly love the book of Jonah, and I don't even know why. But, um, so if you know nothing about the book of Jonah, that's great. <laughs> because it's such a good book. So I hope you start reading it now. Anyway, Jonah. Jonah was a real prophet. Um, this isn't allegory or anything like that. Uh, he was mentioned in his own book. And he was also mentioned in Second King. And uh, he was a prophet to King... I think it was Joash II? Um... I hope that's right. Anyways, he was a, a real prophet to a real king in the northern kingdom of Israel. And um, so what happened was uh, God spoke to Jonah and he said, I want you to cry out against Nineveh. I think that's how it says it in the King James. In the ESV, it probably says, I want you to to speak out against Nineveh. But I want you to go there. Which is something unusual. Prophets don't usually go places. They, they usually stay and people will come to them. This is uh, just a very strange thing that God's asking a prophet to do. Um, <clears throat> it's also strange because it's very clear from the story that Jonah is very racist. Maybe not against everybody, but especially against the Ninevites. So, Jonah, come to find out also that he hates the Ninevites, not just a little bit, but he hates them more than he loves the Word of God. He hates the Ninevites more than he loves his own life. He hates the Ninevites more than anything he can feel, <clears throat> as we can see in this story. So instead of going to Nineveh, he disobeys God willfully. This isn't, this isn't the type of thing, you know, this is a great example of how, how clear the, that God's voice was in the ears of the prophets. Like sometimes I can feel like, you know, I, got, I think God wants me to do this. But I don't hear God saying, Andy, I want you to do this. Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh and he hears God as clear as day saying, I want you to go to Nineveh. And so he runs from the voice of the Lord and he goes in the opposite direction. So Nineveh is in the east and the north. He goes to the south and to the west. And he doesn't just go by land. He goes to a place called Joppa, which is uh, <clears throat> on the Mediterranean Sea. And he gets a boat that will take him to Tarshish. Tarshish is modern-day Gibraltar. It's, it's Spain. It's, it's the complete opposite side of the known world. It's the farthest place he could think of to go away from Nineveh. That's how much he does not want to go to Nineveh. So he goes, and once he's on the boat, a huge storm comes. So bad that all the sailors, all the seasoned sailors, say, 
This boat's going down, and they find Jonah sleeping, probably because he was depressed, but probably because he was probably trying to hide from God. So he's sleeping in uh, the bottom of the boat. And uh, I love how it says it in the ESV. The captain comes down, finds Nineveh, or finds Jonah in the bottom of the boat. He says something really interesting. He says, he says, what do you mean, you sleeper? <laughs> anyway, um, so he's like, pray to your God. <laughs> Maybe he'll save us. Just hilarious to me because, I mean, he's clearly running from God. Why would he pray to God? Um, <clears throat> so, so what they do is they, they do something kind of, I, I, I don't completely understand this, but they, um, they cast lots to find out whose fault this is. Like, somehow these guys know that God is speaking to them through the storm. They say, somebody is doing something that God doesn't want to do. So, we're going to have to figure out who. So they, they cast lots. I don't exactly know. It's like rolling dice. And they find out that it's Jonah. So somehow God works through this little game that they play and it comes out that he's the problem. And so they said, well, all right, who are you and where are you from? And, um, and who's your God? And he says, well, I'm in, uh, he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God that created heaven and the sea and the earth. And it said, after he said this, the sailors were extremely afraid. Um, I think this is very interesting. I think that God, the real God, must have had quite the reputation. <laughs> you know, being real and all tends to do that. And being all powerful and sovereign you know, they probably knew. It's interesting to me that in a world of uh, polytheism that he says, I worship the real God. And they say, oh, shoot. <laughs> so, so he's like, y you guys, if you want to save yourselves, you're going to have to throw me over. And the guys didn't want to do it. They tried to, they tried to keep him afloat. And, uh, but then it was clear they were going down. And so they're like, well, look, we'll try anything. We're all going to go down. We might as well throw him in first. So they threw him in and they said, Lord, forgive us. And the waters were calmed. And, um, <clears throat> not just that, uh, they gave a sacrifice. I think what you have here is their conversion. You know, the, the gods that they were praying to before, I think they were like, look, we haven't ever seen anything like that before. We are going to start worshiping this God because he is super duper powerful. So, Jonah, then, I, I, I love the way the Bible says it here too. This is the, the, big, the big part, the big finale to chapter one. It said, the Lord appointed a great fish to come and swallow Jonah. 
I love the word appointed. Like there was some sort of committee and they were like, this is the whale. <laughs> he's gonna be swallowing Jonah today. And not only that, he's gonna bring him to dry land. I'm getting a little ahead of, ahead of myself, but. Um, <clears throat> so what's the point of this chapter? What we can, can we take away? Well, there's something very important that we can take away from it. And that is um, that <clears throat> Jonah is an example of Old Testament typology. Like most stories in the Old Testament, there's typology all over the place, which means that, that this is something that is pointing us, not just to some idea, but it's pointing us to Jesus personally. So, how does this point to Jesus and why do we know this? First of all, we can know it because Jesus himself said, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. After he had fed the 4,000 people, um, the next day a bunch of people came to him and they said, what sign do you have for us today? And he's, you know, he could tell that these people were challenging him and they said, you know, this faithless generation asks for a sign and no sign will be given to him. That's the way it says it in Mark. But if you read it in Luke, he says, this faithless generation asks for a sign and no sign will be given to him except for the sign of Jonah. So we don't know exactly what that means. Um, but we do know that Jesus was dead for three days and then came back to life. And Jonah, at the end of this chapter, it says, and Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. I think there's more to it than that. Because, you know, Jesus could have said anything. It's not like, hey, if you know your Old Testament, you would know, you would know this like special little Easter egg that I put out. I think what he's really saying is something much more profound because he could have said it any other way. Why did he say, I give you the, the sign of Jonah? And I think part of it, and I think we'll explore this in later chapters, but part of it is that, um, is that Jonah didn't want to go after us because we were enemies of God. No, no, Jonah didn't want to go to the Nineveh because they were the enemies of God. But we are also enemies of God. We sin day in and day out. And Jesus, you know, a representative of God, just like Jonah is, um, he has every right to have all the hate and anger that Jonah had against the Ninevites, but he doesn't. So there's more to it than that, but that I think is a very important aspect of it. So, all right, well, Jonah chapter two, tomorrow.